Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Okay, Deuteronomy 30 in verse 1. It looks like we're here. I'm just going to travel through these verses and make some comments as we go. When all these blessings and curses... And of course, we know in the New Testament scripture that we just looked at, Jesus has absorbed the curse. And later on, there's commentary on this curse, and it's actually curses that would be put on their enemies. Yes, if we're not under grace, we're under the curse. If I'm not following Christ, I am subject to the curse. But I am in grace. I'm in Christ. Anybody in the room in Christ? I am in Christ. Therefore, the Bible says that He has redeemed us from the curse. So I'm going to shake out all the dirt here, and what is left is the blessings because of Jesus Christ. I will take all these blessings and curses that I've set before you to come on you, and when you take them to heart, wherever the Lord God disperses you among the nations. Now, you may not realize this, but it says, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations. God has spent the last two chapters giving them a covenant of blessing. Now, Moses had an initial covenant with God way back on Mount Sinai. Do you remember that? This is this is a new ratification of the covenant. Deuteronomy is basically a restating of the covenant saying if you live this way you'll be blessed. If you don't, these ferocious curses will come upon you. So God is telling them, I know that you're not going to make it. God is telling the people of Israel way before it ever happened, way before the book of Daniel, way before we ever see them exiled to Babylon, God is saying, you're going to be dispersed among the nations. You're not going to keep the covenant. You're not going to keep my law. This is a prophecy that we see fulfilled. Remember when the people of Israel are, are sent out. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they would not bow down before the king. And remember Daniel, how he would, he would not bow down before the king. They were in exile in Babylon. This is a prophecy that they were, going to, they were not going to follow God's law. But yet we see God's grace all the way through the book. Now it says, I have set before you. This is a metaphor when he says, I've set before you. This is a metaphor that Israel will have to choose one of the divine paths. The path of blessing and life or the path of death and cursings. So look with me at verse 2. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 2. And when you and your children... Now, I love this because my, my choices affect my children. You following God doesn't just affect you. It affects your children. My children have a much greater walk with God when I'm clicking on all eight cylinders with my walk with God. If I find myself getting a little lazy in my prayer time, I see my children getting lazy in their prayer time. If I find myself getting a little lazy in what I say, I'm not watching my words. If I find myself a little snippy, if I find myself a little angry, if I don't find myself choosing joy, I don't find my children choosing joy. But when dad is going after the Lord, and when dad is seeking God, and when dad is addressing every problem with the word, and when dad is spending time in worship, and dad is spending time in prayer, I see it filtered down to my children. We are leading our households, ladies and gentlemen. It says, when you and your children return to the Lord. So God's saying, you're going to miss it. You're not going to make it. You're going to be exiled. You're not going to hold up the end of the covenant. But you will return to me. There is hope. Notice this. It says, when you return to him with all of your heart, 
and with all of your soul. Does that sound like anything you've ever heard in the New Testament? Does it sound like Matthew 22 in verse 37? Matthew 22, 37, as you'll see on the screen, declares this. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy. So let's back up now and go back to Deuteronomy 30 and verse 2. You and your children return to the Lord. You obey him. You keep your end of the covenant. It says, I'll do everything according that, I, that I've commanded you today. And I love this. It's not on the screen, but Psalm 119, 2. says, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all of their heart. Now, the heart in the Hebrew is an idiom for your entire being. It's who you are. It's your core. It's really your conscious. It's really your will. It's called the seed of your emotions. So let's go to verse 3. Then the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 3, then the Lord your God will restore. Notice this. They failed. They did not keep the covenant. They missed it. They've been exiled, kicked out of God's land. But yet God says, I love you so much that I will restore your fortunes. I will have compassion on you. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. I will have compassion on you. I will gather you again from all the nations to which you've been scattered. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. Verse 5. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will take possession of it. Notice this here. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. Can you see grace? Can anybody see grace in this passage? You're going to fail. You're not going to make it. You're going to break the covenant. But God says, I will restore. I will gather. I will make you more prosperous. Go back if you can. Let's go back to verse 5. I will make you more prosperous. I will make you more numerous than your ancestors. Anybody ever heard of Abraham? Abraham was a pretty prosperous dude. He was a pretty blessed dude. God said, I will make you more prosperous and more blessed and more numerous than even your ancestors. So keep this up. Keep this verse up here. Now we move this into grace. Now we view this through the New Testament. We do not work for, earn, or deserve God's blessings. Do you agree with that? They're grace. It's a gift from God. But, everybody say, but. But righteous living. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a righteous dude. But righteous living, right living. The reason we are against sin is because it will kill you. The reason we preach for holiness, which is acting like Jesus, living like Jesus, putting down your flesh. The reason we want righteous lives, where we, you know, there's a righteousness in the eyes of God, which we have in Christ Jesus, the way God sees you. And then there's a righteousness in front of men. It's how we live. It's what do we do in, in the dark? It's, is, are, we, are we greedy? Are we selfish? Are we, you know, coming to church is a righteous act. I mean, it really is, if you're honest about it. It's an act of holiness. It's an act of discipline. So notice this here. We do not do righteous acts to get God's blessings. Jesus brought the blessing. But when I am righteous, 
When I am holy, when I'm living right, when I'm studying the word, when I'm spending time in prayer, what I'm doing, Carrie, is I'm aligning my life to receive God's blessings. I am allowing the blessings of God to be appropriated in my life by my actions. I did nothing to deserve them. I did nothing to earn them, but when I study the Word, when I pray, when I come to church, when I tithe, when I give, when I serve, when I love, when I sacrifice, when I have integrity, when I'm faithful to my wife and faithful to my family and faithful to my church and faithful to my Jesus, I'm allowing the blessings of God to be appropriated into my life. Does everybody see that? It's like there's a spout where the glory is being poured out, and my obedience... I mean, obedience is not a dirty word. My obedience to the book keeps me in line to receive what God is pouring out. So notice this here. We serve a more prosperous God. He's not just a prosperous God. This scripture says he will make you more. Say this when we say, my God is a more prosperous God. Doesn't the Bible say he's more than enough? Why do we why do we settle even why do we even settle for what is not even enough? I'm not talking about just finances. I'm talking about peace and joy. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about love. Why do we settle for what is not even enough when God says, I am El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough? I will do exceedingly abundantly and above more than you can ask or think. It's like we put God on a leash. You ever had a dog on a leash? Man, that dog wanted to run all over the neighborhood. And you said, stay right here. We put God on a leash. God wants to run all over the neighborhood metaphorically with more than enough provision, more than enough peace, more than enough grace. And we keep him right there on a leash. That's good preaching, somebody. Now keep this verse up, Jared. Listen to what God says through Deuteronomy 30. They missed it. They broke the covenant. How many of you have ever been around someone who broke a covenant or broke a treaty or broke a contract or lied. How many of you have ever been around somebody? You did not hold up your end of the bargain. You said you were going to meet me here at 10 p.m. and we we're going to do this and they didn't do it. They let you down. They did not hold up their end of the bargain. Israel did not hold up their end of the bargain. But listen to the heart of God. Listen to the heart of God. Listen to this. He, God said, I'm not going to just take away and I'm not going to just withhold. God said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to gather you. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you into the land. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to change your heart from the inside out. I'm going to inflict curses upon your enemies. I'm going to prosper you abundantly in the work of your hand. I'm going to bless the offspring of your body. I'm going to bless your cattle. I'm going to bless the produce of your land. I will Rejoice over you with good. Can you see the heart of God? Even though he knew they were not going to make it, he knew they were going to fail, he still spoke blessing over them, and it all came through repentance. He says, if you turn back to me, if you seek me with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, if you repent, change your mind. Repentance is not confession. We think when we confess our sins to God, that is repenting. Oh, dear Jesus, I sinned today, and I ate this very high-calorie ice cream, and I sinned today. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Or God, I sinned today, I yelled at my wife. Listen, confessing your sins to God is not repentance. Did y'all know that? There's a difference. This is, this is repentance. I'm going this way, and I have a bad attitude towards my spouse. I'm yelling at your spouse. 
Yelling at your spouse is a sin. Can I have an amen from all the ladies? That's a good place, ladies, to say amen. I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry at my wife. Now, you can, be, you can be angry and not sin, but there is a place where you can anger and it leads you to sin. You can be angry. You, sometimes I get angry at situations and with my family and my kids. and having, oh, Dear me, it's easy to get angry at your kids. Come on, amen. But you can be angry and not sin. But if I anger to the point where, where I've sinned, I confess it. Father, I have sinned against my wife. I was angry with her. I yelled at her in a, in a demeaning way. I need you to forgive me. Then I got to go to her. The cycle of confession is not complete until I go to her. Remember the scripture says, when you go to the altar to pray, if you remember that you have an alt against your brother or a fault against your brother, go to that brother and get repentance. Then come back and pray. So if, 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 I've got, if I've been mean to Mary and yelled at sweet Mary, which I would never do, but if I yelled at sweet Mary and I repent to the Lord, God forgive me, I yelled at Mary today, I had a bad attitude, i got to go to Mary and say, Mary, I confess that to the Lord. I ask you to forgive me because I've sinned against you. Would you forgive me? And of course she'd say yes. You'd say yes, right? And then I repent, Angie, and I turn. I change my mind. So my mind is this way. Repentance literally means to change directions, to change the mind. Let's use homosexuality, someone we all know is, is, is a sin, just like a heterosexual sin, but it's one that people in the church like to pick on. So if a homosexual repented, they don't just say, Father God, I've been doing homosexual acts, please forgive me. They have to repent, change their mind, and turn and go another way. That is repentance. So he's saying when Israel repented, it would align them with all these blessings, so when we repent of our sin, the sin of not accepting Jesus, and we appropriate Him in our life, we are now restored back into all of these blessings. Isn't that good news? And I wrote this down. It's not just that they had rebellion. Rebellion alone is not the issue, because every time you sin, you're in rebellion. Every time I sin against God, I'm rebelling against God's Word. The problem is continual, habitual, unrepented, sustained rebellion. That's where the problem comes in. Just sinning is not what is going to bring all these curses upon you. It's a rejecting of Jesus, a continual, sustained, unrepented rebellion against God. So now let's look at verse 6, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6. Then the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. And the hearts of your descendants. He uses the word circumcise. In the Old Testament, circumcision was an outward sign of the covenant. Dear me, could God not have picked something different to display his covenant? It's like, why that? Well, I'm going to say some things here, and I don't mean this graphic or gross or crass, but, but Jesus was literally our circumcision on the cross. Circumcision, if you look at it, why could have God not used your hand? Why couldn't he have done something with your hand? Or your foot. Why did he have to choose such a private, intimate body part to represent his covenant? Well, because sin is very intimate. Sin is not just an extremity. Sin is very personal and very intimate. And circumcision took the most intimate thing, and it was it was hard, it was painful, it was messy, it was bloody, if we can be honest. Jesus on the cross was exposed to our sin in a very intimate way, and it was messy and bloody and all those things. So literally, Jesus was our last and final circumcision. Now, it's not an outward thing, it's an inward thing of the heart. It's a cutting of the heart. 
It's a peeling back of the flesh of the heart. Now we're circumcised in the heart. We won't take time to look at it, but write this down. Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 9 addresses this. Paul brings Deuteronomy 30 back into this. Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 9. And I will read verse uh, 29 in Romans 2. It says, The one who is a true Jew is the one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the law, but it's a change of the heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. So Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30, and he talks about the circumcision of the heart. Jared, do we back up? Or is it down? Okay. Uh, I'm going to read you Deuteronomy 30 and verse 7. So it says, Then the Lord will put all these curses on your enemies and all those who hate you and persecute you, and they will, and you will again obey the Lord and follow His commands I'm giving you. And I put this in my notes. God promises to fight our battles. So God says, when you repent and turn to me, all these curses that you were subject to, I'm going to turn them from you, and I'm going to put them on your enemies. How many of you know we need God to put the curses on our enemies? We need God to fight our battles. We need God to rise up and help us. That's why Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So now let's look at verse 9. If, if Jared has it, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 9. If not, I'll just read it to you. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 9 says this, Then the Lord your God will make you the most prosperous in all the work of your hands. How many of you would like to be prosperous in the work of your hands? And it says, In the fruit of your womb, and in the, in the young of your livestock, and in the crops of your land. I love this now. The Lord will again delight in you. The Lord will again delight in you. God delighted in the people of Israel. What is something that you delight in? Maybe when you make a craft or a prop or something turns out right, you, you look at that thing that you made and you love it and you just delight in it. Uh, I just made something for George, my father-in-law, had a birthday today. Actually, today's his birthday. And I made him a cornhole set. And I've never made anything before like this. And it actually turned out okay. The first one I made was just perfect. It was symmetrical. It was in square. It was just perfect. And I was so delighted. I just delighted in that piece of cornhole board that I made. It was perfect as best that I could do. I made the second one, and somehow I didn't get my board exactly square. And I'll just be honest with you. It was a chore for me to fix that. It was not fun. I was not delighting. All the joy and wonder and enthusiasm I had staring at the first one went out the window. And here I am at 10 p.m. in my garage. It's 100 degrees in there. It's hotter than H. I mean, it's just hot, hot, hot. It's, it's, I feel like I'm in Hades. I mean, no air blowing. And it's 10 p.m. at night, and I'm trying to fix this mistake that I made. I was not delighting at all. But I went to bed, got up the next day, Tara came out, and we stained them, and we put the logo on them, and then we took them to his house, and we all played, and it was fun, and I began to delight again in the thing that I had made. God delighted in the people of Israel, and they broke the covenant. And God says, I will delight in you again. This is looking forward to grace. Do you know when God delighted in us again? When, when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus, when we accept the gospel, God looks at Karen and Angela and goes, I delight in you again. And it had nothing to do with you. You repented. You came back in fellowship with God. And it says, I will, I will delight in you again, and I will make you prosperous just as I delighted in your ancestors. 
And then it says, if, verse 10, if you obey the Lord and keep his commands, it says, and turn to the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And then I read this in 3 John 2. Anybody got a Bible that you want to turn to? Look at 3 John and verse 2. So let's bring this into the New Testament. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, I pray in all respects that you may prosper. Somebody say, may prosper. And that you may be in good health. Somebody say, be in good health. Just as your soul prospers. Say, as your soul prospers. So listen to this verse. He says, I pray that in all areas you will prosper. How many of you would like to prosper? He says, I pray in all areas that you'd be in good health. Third John 2. How many of you like to be in good health? But he says, just as your soul prospers. So get this now. God is saying the same thing in Deuteronomy 30. When the people of Israel repented and turned back to God, when they had a prosperous soul, it allowed them to prosper outwardly, prosper financially. It allowed them to be in good health. The Bible says not one feeble among them was even counted. Over millions of people came out of the desert and there was not one feeble person among them. So when I repent and when my soul is prosperous, it allows me to be in good health and it allows me to prosper exterior. My outward circumstances will never supersede what's going on on the inside. If I'm not prosperous in my soul with the Lord, I will never have an outward. It may appear to be, but I will never have true prosperity and true health if my soul is not prospered. Write this down. So goes your soul, so goes your life. And so I want, you to, I want you to connect that there. I love Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 35, verse 27. It says, Let those who favor my righteous cause and have pleasure in my uprightness shout for joy and be glad and say continually. Watch this now. Don't miss this. I know it's not on the screen, but I want you to hear this. Psalm 35, 27. I want you to get this, okay? If you don't get anything else, get this. Psalm 35, 27. Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you listening? Don't miss this. Here we go. Ready? Let those who favor my righteousness. If you favor God's righteousness, let me see your hand. Okay? Let those who have pleasure in my uprightness. That means you want to do what's right. If you want to do what's right, let me see your hand. You take pleasure in God's uprightness. Let those, that's us, shout for joy. Somebody say amen. Let us shout. That was a weak shout. Come on, say Amen. Let those who honor God's righteousness shout for joy and be glad. Everybody smile. Come on, let me see. Let me see you. Be glad. Now notice this. Somebody say shout. Somebody say be glad. Listen to the next part of this verse. And say continually. Listen, listen, listen. Let those who, who honor my righteousness, let them shout for joy. Let them be glad and let them say continually. There's something that you should be saying continually. Do you know what that is? Jared, if you've got it. Yes, that is. Let the Lord be magnified. And then notice this Psalm 35, 27. Let me just read it. Ready? Let the Lord be magnified. So that's praise. And here we go. You ready? Here we go. Who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Did you hear what I just said? Let those who, who honor God's righteousness 
You're to shout for joy. You're to be glad. You're to say continually, let God be magnified. Pull it up if you can, Jared. Psalm 35, 27 in the Amplified. And it says we should continually say that God, capital W, in the who, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So I should be continually shouting for joy. There goes my excuse for a bad attitude. I should be continually glad. There goes my excuse for a bad attitude. I should continually be saying, magnify the Lord, which means I should continually be letting praise be on my mouth. And I should continually be saying that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. What I read from you in 3 John 2 is, write this down if you're taking notes, total life prosperity. This is not just money. This is really doesn't have anything to do with money. This is total life prosperity. Whole in every area. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Say that with me. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Do you know what makes God's day? When you walk in the blessings of Deuteronomy 30. When you walk in the blessings of Deuteronomy 28, when you walk in the blessings of 3 John 2, Beloved, I want you to be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. As Rincom's soul is prospering, and she's obeying God and releasing faith, and the blessings of God are flowing into her life, that causes God to delight. He takes pleasure. Remember, I delighted in this cornhole board, but not this one. But then in the end, I delighted in both. Remember, we read in Deuteronomy 3 that God would again delight in you. Do you know what makes God delight in you when you are walking in his blessings and his provision? Look with me at the scripture. Let those who favor my righteous cause and have pleasure in my uprightness, let them shout for joy. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't have a bad attitude anymore. It says, let them say continually. What does continually mean? If we give our mouth to negativity, if we give our mouth to doubt, if we give our mouth to worry, then we are not continually saying, let the Lord be magnified. Who? Capital W. Who? That's God. Takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I'm God's servant. When I'm prospering, total life prosperity, not just money, not just health, but I've got peace, I've got joy, I've got the the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When my total life is being blessed by God, God takes pleasure in that. God is not withholding from you. He's doing everything He can to let you walk in His blessings. Isn't that good news? God wants you to say, I get up and I say, Lord, you take pleasure in the total prosperity of your servant, in every area. Man, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. All right, so look at verse 11. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. Got to speed this up a little bit here. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 11. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. That's because it's by grace. We couldn't earn it or deserve it. Now we're looking towards grace. Look at verse 12. This is awesome. This is also, write this down in Romans chapter 10. Not going to quote this, won't pull it out. But Deuteronomy 12 through 14 is quoted in Romans 10. Paul brings this into our salvation. 
Notice this here. You've heard this before. Look at this in verse 12. It, don't, say, don't say it is up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. The blessings of God are not just up in heaven. They've already been released into the atmosphere. They've been released into the earth. We now have to appropriate those blessings. Look at verse 13. Don't say it's up in heaven, and you don't have to ask who will cross the sea uh, and and have to uh, go get it and proclaim it to us so that we can obey it. No, no, no. Moses said this. We think Paul said this. Paul was just quoting Moses. Now, look in verse 14. It's not beyond the sea. It's not up in heaven. No. Somebody say no. No. Say it like you've had some peach cobbler. Come on, say no. Look, the word is very near you. The word of what? The word of blessing. Moses is saying, he's talking to us now in in gospel grace. He's saying, you don't have to say we got to go up into heaven and bring the blessings down. Well, I'm going to pray the blessings down. No, you're not. The blessings are already down. You're not praying the blessings down. God's blessings are already down. Now, now says the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. Let those who love my uprighteousness, let them say, let them say, let them be glad. Let them say God rejoices in the prosperity of his servants. Do you know why we are not seeing total life prosperity? Emotionally financially, health-wise, with our attitudes, even in our parenting. Do you know what we're seeing? We're not, the blessings I read were for every area of your life. Mental stability, not worrying. Do you know why we're not seeing that? Because we're not continually saying. Moses said, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey. Do you know why God wants you to obey? Because he takes delight in the prosperity of his servants. And if we're not obeying, we're not going to be walking in total life prosperity. That's the bottom line. That's why God wants us to obey. It's not so we can't have fun. He's not the giant killjoy in the sky. He wants us to be prosperous in every area of our life. And if we're not obeying, it's just we will never see the fullness of what God has planned for us. Now let's get into the meat of the lesson. That was the introduction, all right? Here we go. Verse 15. (laughs) I'm just going to read the rest. See, I have set before you, this is still in Deuteronomy, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. In Christ, there's life and prosperity. Apart from Christ, you're under the curse, ferocious, fearsome curses. Death and destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, which one are we going to do? Which one are we going to choose? And how do we choose life? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is not being good enough and God will bless us. This is choosing Jesus, choosing to obey, choosing to follow Him. Look at verse 16. For I've commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, To keep his commands and decrees. What's the commandment of God? Love God with all of your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Notice this here. Then you will live and increase. We got people in the church who want to live and we want to increase, but we're not wanting to obey God and follow his commands. 
that puts us in line for living in increase. It's, you, how many know you can, you can be alive and not be alive? God promises in one place that he will add life to your years. I don't want an extension of years. I want life added to my years. Notice this here. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're getting ready to possess. Look at verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient. Ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty simple. Follow the way of blessings or follow the way of cursings. It's not rocket science. And if you're drawn away and bow down to other gods and worship them, means God's not first place. Look at verse 18. I will declare that this will that you will certainly be destroyed. Hey, God's not beating around the bush. If you follow me and do it my way, good. If you don't, you'll be destroyed. I'll wipe you off the face of the map. That's pretty simple. God's not mincing words here. You'll be destroyed. You'll not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter. You'll enter and then you'll die. You'll not enjoy the promised land. But what is God's heart? What is his desire for you to enjoy the promised land? Now look at verse 8, 19. Hope this is good. Just making it up as I go, praise God. This day I call heaven and earth, I'm teasing, I did read it once before I came. This day I call heaven and earth to witness against you. God says this now. Listen, I have set before you life and death. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live. Look at verse 20. This is, this is one of the most powerful things. And so that you would love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to you and your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Go back to verse 19. Now choose life. There's another translation that I read that phrases it this way, Oh, that you would choose life. With my children, I will give them a command, and I will say, here's the blessings and benefits of the command. If you don't follow the command, here's the, the discipline or the correction that comes with the disobeying. Please do the right thing. I'll tell them, please, I want you to do this. Noah, I'm going to work today, and I need you to pick up sticks in the yard. And if you do, we'll have a great evening. We'll do something. We'll celebrate. We'll go get some ice cream. We'll do something really fun. If not, you'll have to lose your PlayStation for a few days. Please pick up the sticks. I really, I really want to buy you ice cream. I don't want to take your PlayStation away. I want to take you and buy you ice cream. Please just pick up the sticks. But if I come home and the sticks are not up, I can't. I can't go get ice cream. I'm so good and I'm so just that I have to keep my word. So, no PlayStation. But in my heart, I'm not delighting in that. I'm not delighting that he's lost the PlayStation. I would have been delighting in the fact that we went and got ice cream because he picked up the sticks. Because he did what he was supposed to do. So, yes, yes, God is sovereign. But God has given us the choice to choose life. In God's sovereignty... He lets us choose life and death, blessings and cursings. But his delight is when we choose life. 
His delight is not when we choose the path opposite of life and blessings. Last scripture, Matthew 18. Now I want to say this in a gentle way and in a kind way because I understand we live in a cursed world. And I want you to hear balance. I don't want you to hear something I'm not saying. But I do want you to hear something very important. We live in a cursed world. How many of you realize we live? there's a bad devil? There's a real devil out there who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And how many know we do stupid things? We do stupid stuff. How many of you have ever done stupid? How many of you have ever paid stupid tax? Dave Ramsey calls it stupid tax. Man, I've paid some stupid tax before. We've all done stupid. But we've all had things happen to us that we didn't have anything to do with. We, we hit us out of the blue. And it's because there's a bad devil out there. It's not God delighting in all the pain he can cause Carrie and Angela. No, there's a real devil. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But in relationship to Deuteronomy 30, God said, Choose you this day. I've set before you life. Say life. And death. Say death. He said, therefore, you choose. So if someone is choosing death, is it God's fault? No. God set the table. I've I've set before you on the table. Here's a beautiful pumpkin pie, awesome, delicious. And here's roasted pine cones. I mean, you know, pick which one do you want? I want the pumpkin pie, right? So if I'm chewing on the prickly roasted pine cone, it's not the cook's fault. The cook gave me the choice. You pick. Here's the choice. Let me say this as kind as I can, but I gotta help us. I gotta help us. Yes, there's a bad devil. Yes, things happen that we didn't cause. Yes, things happen that we didn't understand. So it's not a condemnation on you or me. Things happen to me out of the blue that I didn't understand. But there is an element now in my life where sometimes things come in my life because honestly, I let them come in or I let them stay. Maybe I didn't invite them. I didn't go seek it, but maybe I let it in. And not only did I let it in, but I let it stay. Sometimes things come in that I didn't want in. But it is, according to Scripture, I have, I have a say in how long it stays. Same thing with the blessings of God. I can invite and bring in the blessings of God in my life. And it really is up to me how long they stay. Preacher, that sounds like heresy. Well, let's look what Jesus said. Look at Matthew 18. Again, you've got to take it in balance. There's a good God and a bad devil. There's a lot that happens that we didn't invite or bring in. But according to this scripture, can you pull up Matthew 18 and verse 18? I want you to see this. Matthew 18 and 18. You're going to have that one? Matthew 18, 18. This is so powerful. This, this will bring clarity here. In a sense, God has given me the choice in a lot of things. Here's the good news. You have a choice which you can build a wall against. You have a choice which you can protect your life against. You have a choice which you can speak in your life. Let me read it, Matthew 18 and verse 18 from the New Living. It says, I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. How about that? Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. It didn't say God is going to be forbidding all this stuff. God has already forbidden evil to cross into you. God has already spoke blessings over you. God has already removed the curse. God said, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. He says this in Matthew 18. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. We need to have attitude. Devil, I'm not allowing that. 
That cannot stay. This depression cannot stay. I'm not allowing that. I'm not permitting that. I forbid this depression to stay, and it's got to go because it can't stay. How many know stray cats only hang around if you feed them? Stray cats only hang around if you feed them. Listen, I tell you the truth. Who said this? Jesus. He said, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on the earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, that if you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father will do it for you. That brings us back to the prayer of agreement, meaning this. Carrie, if I've got something in my life that I don't want to stay, and I don't want to permit it. I can go to my brothers and sisters in Christ. We can come into agreement. We can agree together. And if I don't have enough faith in my own to forbid it, I'll come in agreement with Andrea and the two of us together. We'll have enough faith to get that thing out of my life. We'll have enough faith in the prayer of agreement. If I'm sick in my body and I don't want it there, I'm not permitting that sickness to stay but I'm not seeing results in my faith. I'll go to David. We'll say, David, I don't want this sickness to stay. I don't want to permit this. I want to forbid this sickness in my life. David, would you agree with me? Yeah, I'll agree. We join hands and we pray and we agree. And now where two or more touch anything, it shall be done. But we're afraid to share our weakness with our brothers and sisters and we never allow them to come into agreement with us. If you go to Mary, if, if Angela goes to Mary and says, Mary, I've got this issue, I'm struggling with it, and I don't want it, I forbid it, I don't want it in my life. There is no weakness in that. She has recognized this is in my life, I don't want it, I don't want to permit it, I want to forbid it. She's going to Mary now, according to the scripture, you come into agreement, it has to go. I don't know when, it may not be immediately, but it has to go. Because Deuteronomy 30, I sit before you life and death, blessings and cursings, therefore choose life. And when you choose life, God delights it that you've chosen life. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great? Amen. Hope this encourages you tonight. And uh, appreciate Jared. I know he's been fighting the computer back there. So we appreciate you hanging in with us. Let's all stand tonight. We got just a minute here. And I want to do something here. I just not I don't want to put you on the spot. But I just want to ask cuz cuz we're family. This is this is not when you ask a brother or sister to come into agreement with you, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of spiritual strength that you've recognized something you want to forbid. Or you know what? I need the joy of the Lord. I permit the joy of the Lord to come and fill my life. I permit health and healing to come into my life. I, per I permit the blessings of God to come in my life. I forbid depression and guilt. I forbid guilt to stay in my life, guilt of the past. So I just want to ask you, are you brave enough tonight to say, there's something in my life that I want to permit? I want to open it and say, God, I permit, I permit your peace to just permeate my life. And you say, you know what? I want to forbid depression. I want to forbid worry. We all worry. You say, I want to forbid. Jesus said, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 30. So I want, to, I want to tell you today, I am forbidding me. I'm forbidding worry of the future to come into my life. I just refuse to do it. Occasionally, Angie, it'll roar its ugly head, and I'll feel anxious about the future or worry about the future or my family or my finances or my job or I'll worry about something. You know what? I'm not permitting that. I refuse. I'm not, I'm not allowing that to come in my life. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I agree with you 
that you're not going to allow worry to come in your life. Amen. Let it be done. What about you? What are you forbidding to come into your life? What do you want God to permit to bring into your life? Anybody want to say it out like I did so we can agree? Anybody at all? Something you need to forbid coming in your life. You see it? It's trying to get its ugly head in the door. They say if a camel puts your head in your tent, I don't know where you'd be that a camel would ever be in your tent, but to punch it in the nose or it'll come all the way in. If you're in a place where there's camels in your tent, you're in a weird place, but that's what they say. What we're doing is we're punching it in the nose and it's not coming in. What, what, what can we forbid? What can we agree with you? Spirit of fear. How I many know we're forbidding that spirit of fear to come on her life? We're permitting the spirit of trust to come in. I'm in agreement. Who else? What else? Isolation. Isolation. We forbid isolation to come in his life. And we permit connectivity. And we permit openness. Amen. I'm in agreement. How many of you in agreement with that? We forbid it. It's forbidden. Who else? Amen. What else? What else are we forbidding tonight to come in? How many of you say, I have some symptoms or some sickness from time to time that would try to, even aches and pains, chronic aches and pains. How many of you raise your hand and say, I've got those in my life. I mean, we forbid those to come in my life. Amen. We forbid it. It's forbidden. Amen. Over the little baby. It's forbidden that any kind of harm would come over that little baby. But it's permitted that godliness and blessings and peace would just surround him. How many of you are in agreement? Amen. How many of you say, worry? I have a tendency to worry. Anywhere? It's forbidden. Say this to me. Say, worry? I forbid you to come into my life. Amen. Now say this. Say, peace? You are permitted. Come on in. Amen. Amen. BJ, come up and lead us in a prayer. And let's just join the hand of our neighbor. And we're agreeing all over the room. No worry, no fear. We're permitting health to come in. We're forbidding sickness. But BJ is going to pray over us, and God's going to move tonight. Hallelujah. Father, as the body of Christ, we take our place humbly before you, recognizing what you've done for us, that you've given this authority to men on the earth, men and women, your body, your people, to permit and forbid. And so, Lord, we come together and we forbid these things that we spoke about. In Jesus' name, fear, we are against you. We are against fear. We are against worry. The Bible says that men's hearts will fail, fail them for fear of what's coming on the earth. We are against you in Jesus' name. Instead, we permit peace. We welcome those fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace. Lord, we welcome that. We permit that into our lives. We cultivate it. As we stand here in agreement, we also expand our circles, not just to us personally, but to our families. And we say, worry and fear, you are done in our families. Sickness and oppression, you are done in our families. And instead, we take, again, the peace of God, the life of God, the healing of Jesus Christ, the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. And now, as we stand for our families we expand it again to our church family and in this church this church will be a healthy church a free church with no worry no fear in jesus name we receive health and healing and peace and life and prosperity for this church those are the things that are permitted here and forbidden is again worry fear 
death, oppression. We are against you and we unite and we cover this entire church body in Jesus' name. And now, if you will, with me, let's expand again to our communities. We can be the light representing the kingdom to our communities because we carry the Holy Spirit with us. We bring the kingdom wherever we go. And now let's just reach out and receive the same life and peace for our neighbors. We are the deliverers. Let us recognize that, that we can share the love and the presence of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And wherever we tread our feet, wherever we step, fear is not permitted. Worry is not permitted. Sickness is not permitted. We bring life and health and deliverance and freedom to the captives wherever we go. Father, let that spirit flow out of us, that Holy Spirit, that river of life in our hearts, Lord. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow in our workplace. Let it flow in our homes. Let it flow among us in the church. Let it flow in our neighbors, neighborhoods, in our neighbors' lives, in our relationships. Let us be so aware of the life that we carry that the darkness will flee when we step on the scene. For light will always, always overwhelm and overcome darkness. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we didn't choose this, but you chose this. You chose this, and you've qualified us to do this. Praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.